Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to American Pale Males, your nerdy beer tasting podcast. My name is Michael. I'm one of your hosts, and with me is my other host, Jeremy, one of your hosts. Michael, how have you been? I have been doing well, actually, um, not good. <laughs> not good. <laughs> I was, Pray tell why. Well, I was very ill. Oh, what'd you have? Um, I think food poisoning. Really? Yes. So what happens when you don't have meat? Well, I think it was from a salad. Uh, see? Mm-hmm. Listeria, H. pylori, all these things. Yeah. I was um essentially incapacitated for Yeah, it, that'll do it. Yeah. I uh I've had food poisoning before and without going into the gory details it uh I think I got it from a suspect Chinese restaurant. Oh, there's one in every town, isn't there? There's probably a few in every town, but but yes, that's where mine came from. Yeah, you have the good one, and then you go down the tier, and then you hit the food poisoning threshold. So <laughs> they really should get put little food poisoning icons on the menu, <laughs> like how they have the spicy or the vegan or whatever. <laughs> they should do that. Like this one, this one will give you a shigella or something like yeah. that. The buffet is just a giant red flag. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's fair. But uh Michael enough disgusting talk. We're a podcast about beer, not a uh, gastrointestinal duress. What do you got for beer brag? I was at local brew pub, The Great Dane. Mm-hmm. Which may or may not be associated with earlier said comments. <laughs> um <laughs> I did have a beer there. <laughs> it was called Four Quarter Five. And this was purported to be a Saison farmhouse ale, it came across as a little more heavy-handed than what I expected that to be. It was super, super yeasty. Like, uh, when they're ready to keg it, like, I don't know, somebody was distracted and accidentally, like, swifted up some of the trub from the bottom and <laughs> mixed it uh, in, because it was quite yeasty. Viscous? <laughs> yeah. Um, in a heavy-handed way. It wasn't, like, bad or anything it just was wasn't exactly what i was expecting um i think with some of the great Danes, so it was one of their seasonals so with their like brews they make consistently those are always mm-hmm. usually really good and sometimes they're like seasonal ones they'll be a little not like bad but they'll be like a little off like uh so i think this was one of those instances so maybe not their best showing but um i gave it a 3.25 because it's still a decent beer it's just kind of little heavy-handed so mm-hmm. um not a delicate belgian saison from the shores of flanders if that even has shores <laughs> but um i i don't think it is everyone knows that belgium is landlocked michael <laughs> i don't know if that's true, or not, that's without, true without expertise yeah uh before i make further fool of myself jeremy what is your beer brag well michael we had uh I believe in the last one we may have talked about an upcoming bachelor party. Yes. I don't, I don't remember, but that's no longer upcoming. It's in the past. And uh, without violating any codes or NDAs I may have or may not have signed, I can tell you that I had a new addition to the Surly lineup this past weekend. Courtesy oh. a friend of the show, Steve. Michael, have you heard of Rising North? No. Rising of Game of Thrones, but... Um... Uh, kind of. So this is an American Pale Ale that comes in at 5.4 ABV. Uh, it's very hoppy. It's I'm reading here that it has Chinook, Eureka, and Mandarina Bavaria hops, which are 
outside of Chinook. Not necessarily common ones, but uh, this is the official beer of Minnesota's Major League Soccer team, Minnesota United. Okay. Um, the color text says, do, 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 do. The beer started its life as United Crushers, a beer brewed for match days at TCF Bank Stadium, Surly's Beer Hall, and some neighborhood soccer bars. The response from fans was overwhelmingly positive, and it was apparent that this easy-drinking pale ale was ready for the big time. And Minnesota United agreed. Basically, this is a, just a, on the body front, it's a pretty standard pale ale, but mm-hmm. the the hopping is it fantastic. kind of unique, um, yeah. It's not terribly heavy, but it's not... A session IPA? Mm-hmm. Do, do, do. Or am I hinting at things? Maybe. Ooh. Probably. But, yeah, the the, uh, the hops alone were enough to make me give it a four stars. It was fantastic. It was crisp is the word that comes nice. to mind. But, yeah, Rising North Pale Ale. I assume you can check it out. Maybe it's from Knob of the show. I don't know. Ah. I, I don't know where it came from. All I know is that it ended up in my refrigerator and, uh, well... <laughs> I'm always going to do research for the show. Sure, yeah, there's a good attitude. Well, you mentioned Nav of the Show, who hails from Minnesota. Great White North? Yes. He, coincidentally, just messaged into the show regarding our cider episode. Mm hmm. That's what, two ago? Yes, as of this one. All right. Yes. Uh, and this is what he says <laughs> Nav of the Show here. I like how he embraces that title. Yeah, yeah. I liked that too. Listening to the Cider Pod, if you can get it, try Loon Juice, but maybe it's just in Minnesota. Drier than Crispin for sure, or for show, I guess he says. Quite Syntax errors intact. In yes. Quite popular up here in Big Apple Country. Yum. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but we were kind of moaning about how we prefer uh, dry ciders. Mm-hmm. And so if he thinks that one's dry, I want to try it. Um, he did He did call it Big Apple Country, didn't he? He did. That's right. Ugh. <laughs> Have I started a trend? And then shortly after sending that message, he he sent a message. Now I want one, brownie face. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's the trouble of listening to this podcast is that if you're in a situation where you can't drink a beer or don't have beer or cider in this case, mm-hmm. uh, it might make you hanker for one. Sometimes you do get a hankering. I'll cop to that. Yes. Flash update. Flash update alert. Flash update. Yep. Flanders does have a coastline. Well, there we go. Okay. Hit the hit the alarm. <laughs> um, Inadvertently right. Read all about it. <laughs> Uh, we can reset the uh, days since inadvertently right back to zero. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, well, wait a minute. Hold on. Don't you only want to do that if something bad happens? Uh, it's just so rare here that... Um, eh, okay, we'll go with that. Yes. Yeah, that sounds good. Jeremy, next on the docket. Michael, what's on the docket? Podcast pitch, although I'm not okay. really pitching it to you. The segment where we talk about podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um. Nerd Poker, the Brian Posehn, uh, comedian it's Brian Posehn's Dungeons and Dragons podcast, is back after an absence of about two years, right? It was that long? I don't know. I don't remember. It's It's been a while. It, it was quite a while, yeah. Uh, maybe a year and a half, but... And I want to talk about it, because I, I just powered through, like, the first ten episodes in the past four days or so, 
So all of the episodes. Right. Actually, 11 just came out today. Oh, okay. And I like it a lot. I actually might like it more than the original run. Um, really? Yeah, because there's, there's less people. So there's kind of less... Yeah, that's true. Crosstalk and distractions. Uh-huh. I like the DM a little better, at least this adventure a little better. Dan Telfer. He's a funny man. The original one, it was really meandering, like it never got a chance to breathe. Yeah, it uh, it could kind of go all over the place. Yeah, and then it got into the sci-fi element, which, you know, maybe that's cool, but I, I don't know, mixed genres like that, as we learned last week when we talked about the Dresden Files. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of don't do it for me, so... But it was still good, but I think this is just better. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy how they had a Casio keyboard for some of the recordings. Oh, that kind of drove me nuts. <laughs> but I like... I think that might be why I'm only on like episode five or six. Okay. Well, yeah, the audio quality is really bad for these first 10 episodes, and apparently gets that, that was, better at 11. It was... I mean, it happens. I mean, it's no American pale males, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, he's... But, Doing it in his like living room now or dining room, sure. Instead of a studio, so. Uh-huh. But apparently they fix that later. Yeah, I like the Seinfeld bass riffs with the keyboard, <laughs> that and that uh, did kill me. Yeah. So, if that's something you at home sound interested in, I would I would check that out. Power through the first ten episodes. It's, the story's really good, so you kind of the audio quality takes a back seat. But yeah, thumbs up in this side of the studio. Yeah, I'm enjoying it as well. Um, I've also been tempted to join their Patreon, although I haven't yet. Um, if only because they have bonus episodes yes. come out on the reg, including uh, uh, former cast member Steve Agee and whatever Sarah's last name was. Right. I don't remember what. Yes. And uh, hopefully they have a Don't Forget About Jerry Duggan on there. Oh, yeah. Who once gave me a free comic book online. Really? How'd that work? Yeah. He uh he tweeted that he had several digital issues of some sort of fancy pants daredevil issue to give out. And he said he just said like why should I why should I give them to you? and I wrote something stupid like because if you don't we'll all have to do the funky duggan or something like that. <laughs> okay. And he DM'd me a code wow. and it made me a it made me a happy panda. That's cool. He seems like a good dude. He writes good comic books. Yeah. Yeah, he had a. He was the. I can't remember his character's name, but wasn't he kind of the craziest, crazier one? I believe his character was nude quite a bit. Yes, with the phantasmal bear or something like that. That's right. And That's, then it's. Ugh. He died. Or, his character died. He, I think. He, his character did die. That's correct. So. And then he came back with something else about I. It has been a long time. Yeah. So it's good to ugh. be back, I guess. And, it is good to be back. Yeah. I'm glad they're back. Did we ever tell you that we, uh, some friends of the show and myself went to see Brian Posehn here in town? Oh, yeah. Uh, right towards the end of the original Nerd Poker run. No, I didn't know that. And he did he did stand up for some festival thingy that goes on in Iowa City, and it was very, very funny. And uh, normally, he would come out after shows to, like, talk with people, sign things. Mm-hmm. And I had planned to give him, like, ten bucks, because you could give him money at shows to, like put into the show kitty to keep the pay the bills and get pizza get pizza things of that nature and uh yeah the flu very very badly and he came out and performed despite that which 
I couldn't tell that he had the flu outside of him, you know, making jokes about it. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the people, we went up towards the stage after the show was over and we were hanging out waiting for him to come out. And one of the the staff said, oh, are you guys waiting for him? And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's really sick. He's not going to be coming out. I'm like, oh. Ah. And he says, but if you want, I can, if you guys got things you want signed, I can take it back there and see if he'll do that. Oh. And friend, of, uh, enemy of the show, uh-huh. Ryan, had a vinyl of his that he took back. And I quickly wrote uh, expletive you Zach on the, uh, on the $10 bill that I was going to give him. And so I get, and they're like, oh, nerd poker money? And I said, yeah. And so he t- he's like, okay, I'll give it to him. And so the guy took it, and flash forward to a few weeks later when he was giving shout-outs, he, uh, he read out, I got, I, it's like, I was really sick in Iowa, so I don't know who gave me this, but someone wrote, F you, Zach, on a piece of money. Uh, that's not nice, but thanks for the money. <laughs> So that is on there. You can check oh, me really? on that. I, I think it's like one of the last two or three episodes. I'll have to look out for that. Maybe I heard that and didn't even know. You may have. Uh, that was definitely me. <laughs> that is awesome. I didn't realize you made it on the show. <laughs> I, I, had for, I had forgotten about that. It's two podcasts that I love that I've been on. <laughs> well, three. Three if you if count, you count this, one. this one. Yeah, yeah, you beat me too. <laughs> but you don't love this one. Well, no, it's a passing tolerance. Um, hmm. I assume you are getting uh, messages as well. <laughs> yeah. I just... <laughs> um, uh. <laughs> we have a friend of the show, Steve, encouraging Knob of the show to make a donation of said Loon Juice Cider. And, oh, hey, yeah, uh, I didn't even pick up on that. That's a good uh, idea. Not a bad idea. Oh, speaking of which, Council of the Show came through with uh, several Montana beers oh. and some U- and some Utah beers. Whoa. That, uh, that shall remain a surprise until you come down here. Sounds good. In a couple of weeks. Yeah. Sweet. I'm excited. We, we, we've got some doing to do. We'll put it that okay. way. Okay. But enough about this nonsense. Michael, what are we... Uh... So last week we were talking about freshness, beer freshness briefly. Indeed. We were talk- like you had tweeted at Toppling Goliath. Oh, yeah. They tweeted you That's back. That's right. And things like that. So I was surprised to see come across my feed... Uh, article on the Washington Post, why it's so hard to figure out when bottled and canned beer is fresh from Fritz Hahn. Hmm. The article, it wasn't as great as I thought because it doesn't go into depth about that too much. It does answer the question sort of, but more so they give examples of how each brewery does it differently. So Hmm. I'll just kind of read some points here, discussion points. Hit me. So they go, he says that in a, Harris poll, 95% of craft beer drinkers think freshness is important. However, each brewery has its own method for determining how long a beer is fresh. And there's no industry standard. There's no government standard on how that should be communicated. So when Mm -hmm. you see a date on a beer bottle or can, it's completely up to the brewer on Hmm. what goes into that. So for example, he says that stone brewing is one of the best in the industry, telling not only the place where it's brewed, but it also gives the date that it was bottled and the date that it should be consumed. Drink by 7417 IPA. Yes. Flying Dog is kind of not as robust as that. They give a best... Or worse. Say it, Michael. 
No, worse. There is even worse than this. They give you I a best it. before date, but don't tell you how long it's been in there. That's um, that's whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Then there are breweries such as Lagunitas, and not only does it make codes difficult to read by stamping it in black ink on the neck of the mm-hmm. brown bottle, it uses Julian dating, <laughs> so that Wait, for example wh- number. One fifty four seven would signify that it was bottled on the one hundred fifty fourth day of two thousand seventeen. Oh, what a bunch of jerks! <laughs> so, why is there such a range for when a beer should be enjoyed by? Because some breweries give it one hundred fifty days, some ninety, some one seventy, and it comes down to um, the hops. And ah, yeah. Hops begin to degrade immediately almost after it's made. And that problem is acute with beers that are dry hopped specifically for their aromatics. The juicy IPAs that are trendy. The biggest threats to off flavors are oxygen and light. Photophobic. So if you're able to limit those with like a can, you'll have a longer shelf life. Speaking of which. Yes. (laughs) Well, we'll get there. Okay. And they go into detail. Flying dog, like invest in this machine to measure the dissolved oxygen in their bottles and cans so they can more accurately date things. Hmm. They talk about how Budweiser brought the Born on Date into the mainstream in 1996. They, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it in Bitter Brew where they talk about how they have a, like one of the the old ones is like it's a strict 90-day policy? Yeah. This says it's 110 days, but that might have changed since back then. Sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and if he found it on the shelf, he would like tear out smash the crap out of it yeah the distributor and or whoever's stocking it yeah mm-hmm. and allegedly he could well and probably reasonably he could just drink it and well by all accounts they all are world-class alcoholics right. allegedly <laughs> um alleged allegedly we'll go allegedly we'll go on allegedly there. on that one except for that one kill that's totally on the books yeah yeah right <laughs> Yeah, and so Budweiser also had freshness panels with blind tastings to like figure out the optimal dating, and they have a cap that absorbs oxygen within the bottle. Really? Yeah, apparently. Are we talking semi-permeable membranes here or what? I don't, I don't know how that would work. I don't know I what think... would be in there to do that. That kind of sounds like crap to me, Michael. <laughs> I don't believe it. And then they say, like, there's some extremists, like, on beer forums who say they will never have a beer if it's outside of two weeks of when it was bottled and stuff like that. Michael, how often do you go on these beer forums? Uh, never. Okay, good. Keep it that way. Yeah. Because when I was in uh, trying to kill time until Dark Lord Day mode, yes, I made the mistake of going on those boards. They're probably pretty rabid, I would imagine. Well, it's... Fanatical. It's 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 past it's past that I'd think. Okay. Uh it was a lot of oh no I know my buddy knows the head brewer at Three Floyds and he said that an entire batch got skunked and you know fill in the blank or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh and it's I highly doubt that there were that many people that know the head brewer and that if there was a massive contamination issue I highly doubt they just would have said anything to these people but right. it. It strikes me as the worst of worst of like old chat rooms. If you remember those, the kids, I, I don't know. Are yeah, chat rooms still thinking. Mm, I think they're coming back for gaming. Oh God, ew! Like Discord is Ugh. an app that the kids are using. 
Uh, I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. <laughs> they can have it. But it, it was just like, oh, you know, it's this this really great beer. Oh, I heard it wasn't as good this year. Like, it was like, just come on, man. Dissecting just, it to the nth degree. and yeah. Read a book. <laughs> I mean, just do something. So, yeah, I guess the summary of this article is there's a variety of expiration dating methods out there. <laughs> Which, you know, these things are good to know. Yeah. Thank you for the lesson, Michael. But uh, all this talking has gotten me thirsty. Yes. And to bring it back to what we had been talking about, we are in a can, and we are with a uh, packaged on two seven seventeen at eight forty three twelve, which is not hard to find on this particular oh, can. Good for Michael. Them. How about how about you tell us what it is? The beer we have today is. Golden Road Wolf Pup Session IPA from Los Angeles, California. Yeah, th- we've not done anything by Golden Road, have we? No. Um, do, you, this is first. do you do you see this up in Wisconsin, or is this something that's not made it up there yet? Ah, uh, this is new to me. Okay. Uh, at the time I purchased this for our, you know, big beer swap. It had seemed like this was going to be like one of those random things that you can only find at the specialty stores. Mm-hmm. But uh, since then, it's exploded. You can find Wolf Pup everywhere in Iowa City. Now, Jeremy. Now, Michael. I think I know why. Do you want to know why? Yes, please. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Ah, oh, nice. Nice. You did it. <laughs> yeah, so... Actually, the only reason why I think this is because I go went to the job section on their website, mm-hmm. and you'll find other breweries there, such as Goose Island, Breckenridge. Ooh, there you Blue go. Point. Oh. And so, yeah, so this looks to be owned owned by AB InBev. Uh, that would make a whole lot of sense. Which is probably why it has great distribution now. Yeah, just all of a sudden they have 15 packs of this stuff hanging out so. in a hy-vee and a prominent display, <laughs> whereas the uh, everything else is just kind of in the mix somewhere. But we'll give it a fair shake. Oh, of course. We'll give it a try. Uh, yeah, it does get the macro horn. <laughs> is that what we're calling that now, <laughs> yeah. the macro horn? Yeah, the macro horn. So, um... Do we have a micro auga horn? <laughs> Like an old-timey Shriners um, parade float. I was thinking more of one of those. Uh, it's got like a cracked rubber bulb on the end, <laughs> yeah, right. and it kind of curls around and goes... It Something that Mr. Burns would have on something with a uh, steel tires on it or something like that. Right. Right. I hear you. Uh, do you have any information about this beer, Michael? Or should I give you something about this beer? Give me something about this beer, Jeremy. Okay, Michael, this is a year-round brew. It's first brewed in December of 2014. It's a session IPA coming in at 4.5% ABV and an IBU of 50. So it's... does that seem high for a session IPA? It seems high for a session yeah. IPA. Yeah, well, I think some the session part may come in more with the ABV and the malt maltiness more than the hops, but I've been proven otherwise on that point on occasion, too. To continue, the malts used are two-row Maris Otter, malted rye, and crisp dextrin malt. Hops are a lot. We've got Cascade, Simcoe, Chinook, Equinox, Mosaic, and Galaxy, which 
if you had to uh, put six into a beer, that's about five that I really like and mm-hmm. one that I'm not terribly familiar with in the Equinox. Michael, yeah, have you yeah. heard of Equinox? No, that's a new one for me, too. It's I a- like that... Uh, botanists and beer nerds are becoming one and the same. There's always going to be infinite kinds of like experimental hop X23 or whatever coming down the pipe, which I suspect this used to be named. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a some weird hybrid along the line. Mm-hmm. The hop saying it shouldn't be. But uh, the notes along with it say, Hoppy and refreshing, Wolf Pup is our riff on a session IPA. Highly drinkable with a wildly aromatic tropical and citrus character, Juicy Hops. It's the perfect companion to keep on sipping for those long, sunny days. Michael, right. I, what do you think? What do you think about this? Are we, uh, are we concerned? Was it? Let's let's judge it by a, a book by its cover okay. for once. So obviously, I'll, I will almost certainly like this more than you will. Probably. You know, you I mean, to, stranger things have happened. Don't have, get me wrong. You have this young hip brewery, you know, founded in 2011, now owned by a macro. So it's kind of an interesting situation. Yeah, I assume you're going to like it more than me, but like the Stone Go-To IPA, granted that was Stone, uh, I quite liked that one. And that sure. was supposedly a session-ish IPA. Well, and, and uh, you know what? Judging by its cover is stupid. It's, we're going to ruin all of our talking points. Yes. So how about we crack this thing open and get right to it? Sounds good. Here we go. Still carbonated. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Foamy? Uh, yeah. I kind of got a little explosion. Ooh, nice smell. It does have a nice smell. I was a little concerned that the aroma would be dead in the water just because it's four months old. Right. Four and a half? Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Close enough. But uh, it's in a can, is, though. That probably helps things. It's true. You are right. We did just talk about this. A very golden color. A pale straw, one might even say. Yeah. Michael, when you're when you have something new like this, do you find that the color changes the taste, or you know, builds it up or tears it down in your mind? I like, would say usually it builds it up because then I can kind of prepare my mind for what I'm going into. Unless you get a weird one like Victory at Sea or something like that. That oh, has an immense yeah. coffee flavor. Sure. Um, despite being a lighter beer. Lighter color. That, okay, I got you. Like those weird blondes that have uh, crazy coffee in it. All yes. right, I got it. I get things eventually. <laughs> this is hazy. It almost looks like a like a wheat type beer. Like a wheat, like a wheat, like a... Honest to God, shandy, not not a summer shandy, right? But something that was a wheat beer with you know, lemonade or something dumped in there. So maybe it'll be kind of citrusy. We'll see. Um, well, Jeremy, those hot with yeah. all those sea hops in there, and the, yeah, mystery equinox. Mm. Um, it smells delicious. I'm gonna go in. You t- you describe the nose, Michael. To me, the nose is also very citrusy, very. Like zesty, citrusy, almost like that's a good way to put it. You know, when you kind of bend an orange peel and the you see all that mist go into the air. Or if you zest an orange. <laughs> Thank you for picking the exact verb that I was going for. You're <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, it does kind of have that uh, pithy. Yeah, very pithy. Not bitterness, but well, I guess it is a kind of bitterness, but it's not uh, bitterness in a beer way. It's right. Fruit bitterness. Like a grapefruit. The bitterness you get off of a grapefruit. Kind of, yeah. 
it kind of just rests on the back of the tongue and it's like, oh, hey, I'm bitter. Look at me. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, you know, 50 IBUs will do that. Hmm. Michael, what are, you get, what are you getting out of the taste of this one? It's not super heavy handed. Mm-mm. It is. It is kind of light and refreshing. It is, but it is still surprisingly bitter. It, it has a very light body. And so that's the session Very much part. so. And I think that helps. It doesn't like, so the bitterness doesn't, it stays on your tongue a little bit, but not as mm-hmm. egregiously as a full-blown IPA. I think because it has that lighter sure. body, it kind of just glides across the tongue. It doesn't stick around that much. So I've also found, and this is an ongoing theory that I'm just realizing I have, I feel like session IPAs are tend to be way more effervescent. Just really, really bubbly. Because in th- in theory, you could make anything super bubbly. It just might be weird. Like a super carbonated, not necessarily nitrogenated porter mm-hmm. would be weird. Right. Right? It, it, it'd be weird and it'd be, probably be kind of gross. Just like if you had a super fizzy, uh, uh, like a hefe or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Most ales, I would suspect would benefit from a moderate to low amount of carbonation. Obviously, the lagering process kicks off more, but um, this almost feels like... It feels, it doesn't taste like, but it feels like a lager. Yeah. In some respects, which is interesting. Kind of crisp, you know, light body, effervescent. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely has pale ale flavor. Very much so. Um, One thing that I feel is different about this one than, say, uh, All Day is the one that comes to mind right away whenever anyone brings up a session IPA, is that I feel like the hops are more, are you know, used more so for bittering as opposed to a floral aspect or a aroma aspect. Do you get that? Right. Like, they have to crank that aspect up because otherwise it would kind of be more of a vapid flavor because there's no malt character really and no mouthfeel to it. So, Whereas this one does have some aroma to it, but not nearly as much as other IPAs in general. But it definitely, that those 50 IBUs ain't lying. They're definitely there. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of curious. I The aspect that I don't usually like about IPA, which is that just persistent tongue Mm-hmm. The spray paint, the spray, yeah, yeah, the spray painting on the tongue of humulin and other hop <laughs> chemicals. Um, lupulin, yeah, lupulin. Is that uh, one of them? Uh, yeah, that's like the oil itself, I think. Um, formalin, formalin. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it. I'm not getting that with this beer, and so I find it. I'm getting a little bit. I mean, I'm, as as it goes on, it gets a little more, but it definitely uh-huh. is not as much as a regular IPA. Mm-hmm. Hence why this one's a session IPA, I guess, in sure. other words. But um, I guess what I'm saying, I kind of like that aspect. Yeah, usually uh, something that would be this bitter, or at least this hoppy in that aspect, would usually sit like a rock. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, now that I think about it, that having one of these be so incredibly uh, bitter is yet another way to make you sip a beer. Right, that's true. I don't think this is uh, something you could slam. I mean, you probably could, but I mean... It's better sipped or one mouthful at a time. That's what I think so. 
Now, Jeremy, straight up, do you like the hop profile of the beer? It's a little overwhelming, but yes, I do. Yeah, it's kind of a citrusy dominant. Very much so. Which is pretty um, good. What uh, citrus fla- or fruity or aromatic flavors are you getting, Michael? Well, as I mentioned, the bitter aspect, I, I think, is more of a grapefruit type flavor. Sure. I think orange mm-hmm. is in there for sure, and lemon. That's kind of the profile I'm getting. A little bit of lemon. Um, Not quite antiseptic lemon, but a right. little bit of lemon. Yeah, I think those were about where I put it. I'm sure somebody with a more articulate could pull out like some weird exotic fruits, but I think those easy to reference fruits mm-hmm. are much more obtainable. Yeah, I'm definitely getting the lemon and the orange in there, but Michael, compared to some of the other session IPAs that we've had, where would you where would you rank this? Because the ones we've had have been pretty different. Um, yeah. If memory serves, the stone to go was not a single hop. Am I thinking right? No, now? no, it was. It was a variety of hops. You're right. Okay, good. So it it was similar to like all day in the aspect that it was a lot of uh, aromatics and a lot of upfront flavors, opposed to the bitterness on the back end, and it just kind of like a a crisp, almost champagne-y finish to bring back word of the two episodes ago, the cider episode. Mm-hmm. It also didn't have the uh, the bitterness of this one. So this one kind of exists in a weird limbo, I guess is a good word for it, because it, it's, it is a session IPA, but it doesn't feel like one. Right, as far as the hops go, yeah, it's very... Happy. Very pungent. I feel like we're ready for uh, the rating. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, I mean, let's. Yeah, we've been going in circles a little bit. Let's just get into it. I, I think I need you to go first, though. Okay, I'm going to go in for a sip of judgment, so entertain the people while I do so, please. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not very entertaining, Michael. <laughs> uh, here's some other session IPAs we've had. Mm-hmm. Rebel Rider. Sam oh, Adams, yeah. Rebel Rider IPA. Got about that one. Um, I think that's it. <laughs> and then obviously the Stone Go To, which was kind of a session IPA. I to me it superseded the session label, but yeah, I agree. But in uh, I'm going to give this one a three point two five, Michael. Okay. It's it's fine. It's it's above average. I'll give it that. But uh, it's. I feel like it's kind of lacking an identity. Yeah. Is the Or it's just mixed identity. Is the macro affecting your rating? No. No. We've done we've done plenty of macros. Okay. I mean, they own Goose Island and Bourbon County is unreal. So That's true. It's I don't think that that affects me too much. It's just fun to bicker about it and complain about the demise of small business and all that good rot. <laughs> Uh, Plus, it gives us fodder for the show. Right. We get to play a horn. <laughs> yeah, now we get to play a horn. We're going to have to find a way to bring it up every week. Who knows? Maybe we'll do it next week. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this one, I feel like the, the the back-end bitterness does not kind of match up with the front-end nose or taste. Um, I like the mouthfeel. I like the body. But I think the hops are a little out of whack on this one. But still decent. Give it a try. 
Yeah, um, I'll go in for a sip of judgment here. Um, now, now, see, that's entertaining, Mike. <laughs> just letting him listen to me mm-hmm. gulp. Uh, Pretty much. <laughs> it kind of takes some of the aspects of an IPA that are not my favorite and takes them away. But then it kind of... Kind takes, of amplifies the other parts. Yeah, and it kind of takes away some of the... You know, I like malt in a beer, too, and there's not a lot of sure. malt flavor here. Not at all. Um, so you're kind of left with these naked hops, which have a fleeting presence across the tongue, which mm-hmm. I guess I like, but at the same time, if that comes at the expense of some of those other things that I really do like, like the malts and having a nice solid body on a beer, maybe this isn't so great. Braiding with my heart, I think I, probably the macro does factor in... But it's very background, uh, subconscious bias, even though I just said it out loud, which is obviously in my <laughs> conscious. Um, Super conscious. Yeah. Uh, hey, you, rate the beer. Three. Uh, okay, I think that's fair. Yeah. It is it is what it is. Um, there's better session a, IPAs out there. There's better session IPAs, but there's also definitely worse ways you could uh, run. Like, I would totally grab, it would pass the cooler test for me. Yeah, summer barbecue cooler test. I, I would oh, yeah. go for it, yeah. Like, I, I can't see if you like IPAs this one. Like, being like, oh, that one? Right, yeah. Yeah, it'd be fine. It's not despicable. It's not. But Michael. Yeah, that's it. That is it. I'm going to tell people that they can reach us at APM Pod on just about anything. You can find us at APM Pod on Twitter. You can't have... Uh, secret messaging ways that friends of the show use as established earlier because we're not giving those out but you can reach us on twitter you can reach us at apm pod on facebook you can find us at, at apm pod at gmail.com so send us an email and let us know what you think give us suggestions give us your ratings on beers uh give us beers to rate or ideas for beers to rate because we we are nothing if not flexible. Uh, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Music. Hop on there and give us a review, please. It will guaranteed get read on the show eventually. Because, you know, we get ahead of ourselves. And life gets in the way. Oh, and the YouTube page. Michael's been putting up delightful little uh, chunks of the show. And it's been great. I've uh, actually listened to a few of those. And here is getting in touch with us in action. Friend of the show, Steve, commenting on how we made the headfirst beer, which is Santa diving into a pool of severed heads, I think, on the artwork. Uh, Oh, yeah. Commentary on how weird beer labels can be. And he says it needs to be a winter warmer. Otherwise, why would Santa be on it? But why would he be diving into a pool full of heads? I don't know. You could give him board shorts and we can make it a summer beer or something like that. Give him a radical set of shades. But I think uh, in the time frame of things for Brew Hoo Hoo, a winter yeah. warmer is a decent target for that type of beer. It's true. So There's, there's worse ways to go. I'll, I'll put it that way. Look out for Head First coming this winter from Brew Hoo Hoo. <laughs> right, yeah. Now we have to do it. <laughs> so that see, that's how easy it is, folks. Get sure. in touch. Now I have to make that beer, but that's okay. That's right. Um, So, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. 
For Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I've been Jeremy. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.